Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. And the Irish gardener, Peter Dowdall himself, joins us this afternoon. Afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. And we have an amount of questions after coming into us over the course of the morning. So I'm going to get straight into them uh, so we can get us through as many as we can between now and just before one o'clock. I'm going to start with Mary, who's in Kishkeim, Peter, because uh, she has strawberries and they have finished fruiting and she wants to know, should I cut back the leaves now or how do I care for them for next year? There's very little to do with strawberries, actually. Uh, they're an easy enough plant to grow the most important thing is around the time of fruiting that you protect the fruits from, from pests and even just from, from dirt. Uh, so at this time of the year, you could look at uh, harvesting, the, not harvesting the runners, but propagating the runners. So the runners are these little stolons, these little long horizontal stems which come out and you have a little rosette of leaves at the end of it. It can travel a foot or more from the parent plant. Now that little rosette at the end of the runner would become a new plant. So you could try pitting that into either a possible of soil or into soil in the open ground. And that will develop roots over the next couple of weeks and months so you leave the runner attached uh, to the parent plant it's a bit like an umbilical cord John Paul and when, when the little rosette at the end develops its own roots then you sever that runner or that cord between them and you've got new plants but in terms of the leaves that are on it I wouldn't be too concerned about cutting them back now if any of them are showing obvious signs of pest or disease damage yes just cut them off and remove them but if they all look healthy I'd leave well alone but what you're looking at, as I say, at this time of the year is just uh, pinning those runners into the ground to get some roots going. OK, a text to here, and it's about her potatoes because this year she sat a British queen, sat in May, but they look lovely, but are wet inside. She wants to know what is wrong with them. British queen sat in May. It was a bit late to set them, certainly. Like, they'd be in early, so you'd, you'd ideally have them sown kind of by March. So I'm just wondering, did, maybe did they get a bit of blight? It's probably still a bit, yeah. Just, I wonder if they got a bit of blight or, or if she just left them in the ground too long. It, it, I, it's hard to give an exact answer without seeing them. And God love them without tasting them. I do love my British Queens. So, um, I would say it's possible that if they're very wet inside and if they're kind of a bit, but they know they wouldn't look perfect either. But I, no, I don't know is the short answer, but I'm going to, I'm going to hazard that it might be blight, which the, the reason I'm hesitating there is because they don't normally affect British Queens, but that's because you normally have them sown and harvested earlier. So I suspect that's probably what it is. Okay, well, we gave you some homework, Peter, and this was from Mallet Tully Towns. We sent on pictures there to you yesterday, and it's of their rose bushes. Uh, and the pictures, uh, they want to know about their particular bushes because some seem to be failing in parts, and they want to know what the reason is behind all of this. You, did, you just said there, I sent you some homework, and I just... Uh, 
Uh, I just lost my life. I said, did you? And then I remembered, yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> and I yeah, yeah. So you will check uh, out to make sure you do your homework. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> you sent me photographs from the Malatani towns. And those roses are all showing Catholic signs, unfortunately, and uh, quite widespread signs of black spot, rose black spot. Now, when you're looking at them, you'll see they're primarily yellow in colour, actually. But believe it or not, yellowing is, is a, a classic symptom of rose black spot. I know it may sound confusing, but you do also have black in those leaves as well. Um, so it's a fungal infection and in this part of the world where war, we have warm temperatures and a damp climate fungal infections thrive and those roses I couldn't see what type of roses they were or what variety or anything obviously but there's an awful lot of growth within them so when you have that huge amount of stem and leaf growth you obviously don't have good conditions for air circulation it's unavoidable uh, and when you have poor air circulation and you have a particularly damp July which we've had uh, that's just you're nearly guaranteed to get rose black spot unfortunately and, and blossom end wilt and things like this um, so that's what's happened with the roses the, the best course of action to do now is forget about your textbooks and websites that tell you don't prune back till winter etc cut them back now cut off all signs of the disease growth which in these roses is, is nearly all of the growth cut them back hard now uh, drench your roses with, with a solution of copper sulfate mixed with water uh, that's, that, so you're removing most of the infection physically by pruning them back. You're treating the infection with the organic fungicide, which is the copper sulfate. And then you need to feed the roses. Feed them heavily, because roses, quite simply, the more you feed them, the better they're going to do. It's a bit like us after our medicine or after we've had an infection. We need to be given a tonic to build ourselves back up. The roses will need the same, but even healthy roses need regular feeding for them to perform well. So feed them with a very good rose food. Uh, I know Goulding's do a particularly good liquid gold food. I would probably go with that one. And, you know, if we do get a, a good stretch of weather, which I'm hoping we will, because July uh, and August were so poor, um, hopefully September and October are going to be nice. So if we do get a good stretch of weather, you would expect to see some, some more rose blooms again before the autumn, before the end of the autumn. Okay, and uh, we'll stay with roses, Peter, because Mary in Bandon, uh, could you ask Peter again, when I slip a rose bush to plant the slips, when could I do that? Or when, can, when is the best time to do you it? You still, still do it now. Ideally, you kind of do it July, August, but you could you certainly do it now. You just take the top four inches of, a, of, a, of a, this year's growth, remove any flower buds or the terminal bud, which is the leaf bud at the top of the cutting, cut at a node, which is quite simply where a leaf meets the stem, because that's where you have the the highest amount of auxins, which are the hormones responsible for promoting roots. So cut out a node, about four inches, leave just one pair of leaves at the top of the cutting, into a bit of rooting powder, into some compost. It, it is gone quite chilly now. You know you're into autumn, so I probably would keep those cuttings indoors uh, until they develop their roots. Once they have roots, absolutely I'd move them outside. Okay, and Mike wants to know where can or where can he grow ginger as a herb because he brought some uh, in the supermarket recently. He sat it, but it only decayed. So where should he be growing ginger as a herb? He said he sat it, and what did you say? After yeah, he sat the actual uh, what he bought in the supermarket. He sat it, but it actually just decayed. It rotted. Okay, so it was too, it was dried. So, but ginger root, like if you buy ginger root in in the shop and use it as as a food ingredient. Um, it's more than likely has been dried, so it's it's not. This isn't always true that it won't grow, but more often than not, that won't grow because the root has, has been desiccated; it's dried out. Um, if you can get a fresh ginger root that isn't particularly dry, that would probably grow quite well. But you can also buy them hedictium as ginger that you, you'd you'd buy. You can often buy them through garden centres or online. Uh, they will grow quite well here in Ireland. I would grow them in a pot in a compost that's free draining 
and give them a position in full, full sun. They're a very attractive plant, if nothing else. Um, but they, and they will grow, they'll, they'll bulk up quite quickly. So if you can't get one through a garden centre, or if the, I was going to say the greengrocer, but they're probably a thing of the past, unfortunately. The supermarket, uh, does, if they have a fresh root that looks green, uh, that will grow. If not, I would say search online for one for, as a plant. OK, Patrick in North Cork, he has a lot of questions about his palm trees. First of all, uh, these palm trees he has, uh, they're 40 years old. They are 20 feet and he wants to bring them down to six feet all in one go. His first question is, will this kill them? Most likely, I'm afraid. Now, when he's talking about palm trees here, I'm guessing he means conifers like uh, leyland palms or something like that. Uh, I, I, but there are other types of palms the reason I say that like, like you have the, the exotic palms if you like your cord lines and trachycarpus and things like that but I'm guessing here that he's talking about something like a leyland palm um, and no they don't respond well at all to that kind of pruning so if, if with conifers if you prune them if you can prune them gradually as they grow and that's fine and, and keep them as a hedge but if you prune into the brown wood so if you're going from 20 foot down to 6 foot then you're going into brown wood obviously they'll never re- recover their shape uh, and what is brown will never green up so if you come down 20 or 14 feet in height, you probably also want to come in in width, and you can't cut the width in, if you understand what I'm saying, John, well, you can't you can't cut the width into the brown wood because then it's just it's all dead. It's not going to come back. So from 20 feet down to 6 feet, it's, it's, unfortunately, I'm afraid it's too dramatic. Uh, if it has to be done, do it, but I'm afraid it's going to look terrible and it's not going to green up again. So I don't... That's not, it, 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 it's, it's not a great idea, unfortunately. Okay, well, he he still has another palm tree. He says it's only six feet high, and you kind of mentioned that there is it okay for him to trim this particular palm tree, the six feet high one, at this time of the year? Uh, October would be the time to do it. No, it does depend, of course, on which conifer we're talking about, because there are literally tens of thousands of them available to to, to grow in Ireland, if you like. So it does depend to a degree on which one it is. But uh, trimming them, yes, is always okay, and it's much better to trim them regularly, once or twice a year to stop them getting out of control than it would be to, to go, as we say, from 20 feet to 6 feet. So I would probably wait till October, but then, yes, you could do it then. And finally, for Patrick, he wants to know then if he takes branches off the palm trees to grow, what kind of compass should he use? The, the cuttings from conifers, you probably do kind of early next year, actually, kind of February, March would be the time to take cuttings of them, even maybe try them in January indoors. Uh, use a good multi-purpose compass depending on the conifer, will determine whether you're not you're likely to be successful and also determine the type of cutting, whether you do the nodal cutting like I described earlier for the rose or whether you do a heel cutting, which is where you get a bit of the bark and the heel as well. Uh, but I would probably leave those conifers till January, February, March. OK, and let's move to Dan in Granada. Now, he has a clematis growing up the garden wall. It got very shook during the storms. Now he wants to know, should it be cut back down and how would you go about that? I got shook myself during the storm. <laughs> Everybody did. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully there won't be too many more. Um, yes, you can cut clematis back. Now, it does depend on... like You can cut them back as hard as you want and they will come again. So that you, you've no, nothing to worry about there, really. Um, did he say they were newly planted like this year? Yeah, well, he said he wants to know because they're growing up the garden wall. Should they be cut back now? He doesn't say when he actually planted okay. them, if it was this okay. year or not, okay. but he's wondering, should he be cutting them back at the okay. moment? Well, first of all, yes, you can cut them back now just to kind of strengthen them and, as you say, to get rid of that chuck look uh, and you won't harm the plant. Now, the only hesitation I have is, depending on what time of the year that they flower, you may lose next year's flowers. So, in other words, if they're an early flowering clematis, like the Montana types, the spring flowering clematis, they will flower 
next spring on growth that's produced this year. So they flower on previous year's growth, okay? So if you cut that growth off now, you won't have any spring flowers next year. However, if they're summer flowering clematis or later clematis, which will flower kind of from May, June onwards, um, well, then they flower on current year's growth. So growth that is produced next year, early in the year, will flower later in the year, if that makes sense. So cutting them, those ones back now will do no harm at all to flowering. Uh, if it's an early type, cutting it back will sacrifice next year's flowers. But whether or which, either which way you go, you're not going to harm the plant by cutting it back now. OK, Dennis is in Clonakilty. He says, ask Peter, how can he prevent apples from getting scabs on the leaves? And can apples be grown from seed? Apples can be grown from seed, deal with that one first, but they're not necessarily going to come true to type. So what that means is if you have, let's say, uh, a particular variety like Beauty of Bath or Worcester Permane or any particular variety growing and you grow it, plant the seed of it, it won't necessarily or at all come true to type. You won't have a Beauty of Bath seedling from the seed. Uh, you could have a crab apple from the seed. You, you could have anything really from the seed. But yes, they will grow and quite easily from seed. Um, and the, how you prevent scab is this, it's kind of a, a several-pronged approach to it, really. But it all comes back to kind of cultural control, John Paul. And what that means is it's good pruning and good working with the climate that we have. So again, like with the roses with Mallow Tidy Towns, um, the scab is another fungal infection. So if, the, if your apple tree is congested with leaves and branches uh, and we get this very wet July and August, then it's, uh, it's ideal for, for the development of fungal problems such as scab. So what we want to do is ensure good air circulation, so have a good open crown, open-scented crown to that apple tree. So prune it back in November, remembering, I can't obviously advise you how to prune it without seeing it, but just remembering that you want to achieve this open centre. So remove any branches that are going to be crossing. Uh, you don't want congestion. You want branches and buds facing out from the centre, outwards. Uh, and don't worry if you sacrifice a lot of the branches. So if you end up only with five or six branches coming from the main stem, where maybe before you had 10 or 12, don't worry. You might, it might look like you're losing a lot of the tree, but less is more in this situation because five or six branches growing well will give you a huge crop of healthy apples. So do that. And then at the time of bud burst next year, which is when the leaves come back into, to, to, and burst into growth, if you like, which, depending on the weather, will be any time from kind of mid-March to mid-April, well, at the time that those buds are coming out from the, or those leaves are coming out from the buds, drench the tree again and the soil with that copper sulfate again. Now, copper sulfate is fine to use on an edible plant. It's, it's an organic broad-spectrum fungicide, but it should only be used maximum once a year, really. Um, so do it at the right time. Do it at the time of bud burst. And it's not like something, as I say, that you'd be, be applying once a week or every month, just at the time of bud burst. Prune it during during November time to have a good open centre, and then all going well, you should be hopefully free of it next year. Okay, we'll stay with apples, Peter, because Mary is in Mallow and she has a few apple trees, but the crop is very poor this year. Any reason why that could be? It could be several reasons. It could be pruning again. If it's an established apple tree, it's unlikely to be feeding because they should be getting all the nutrients they need from the soil. Uh, however, I'm saying that a, a scattering of sulphate of potash around the base of it and around the root zone kind of March, April time, will do it no harm because that will give it the potassium and phosphate that it needs to, or that will help it to promote blossom and then promote the onset of fruit. So sulfate of potash in the middle of the spring will help. Um, it could be pruning. It might need a good pruning, like I was saying. I won't go through how to do all that again, but a good pruning in November will always help and you want to, to ensure you're having a good, you, that you're retaining a good amount of fruiting spurs because that's what will uh, develop into fruits next year. Also, uh, it could be 
I'm afraid it could be just a, a, a desperate sign of our times that with the dwindling bee population. It's the bees and butterflies and things. Well, the butterflies not at that time of year, but it's the bees that will pollinate the, the apple trees. So you, you need the bees to travel into one flower. This is how they actually do it. They travel into a flower, they'll feed away on their nectar, and then they'll get pollen trapped in their wings and on their feet. They'll fly into another flower and drop off the pollen from the first flower. And that's how the, the magic of nature works. It's as simple as that. And if we don't have bees to do that work, we don't have apples. So it could be, unfortunately, the, 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 a lack of bees. So maybe plant some, put in some plants that will attract bees into the garden uh, at that time of the year. Uh, I should have asked her, I should have mentioned at the start, she doesn't say whether she had lots of flowers and then very few fruits. No, she doesn't or, say that, yeah. no. So if, it's, if it's, she had lots of flowers but very few fruits, then it is a pollinating issue. If she didn't have many flowers in the first place, then it's a feeding and pruning issue. Okay, well, best of luck uh, with that. I know there was a, l- a lot of people over the weeks asking the same regarding the apple trees. So there, uh, there must be something in the air this year regarding apple trees. Uh, I've had a load more questions in, but I'm over on time, Peter. So we have to leave it there. Uh, how are things going for you, by the way, regarding talks uh, and that type of thing at the moment? Is it all online or, or are you doing all, any more celebrity visits? Just doing, uh, in about an hour's time, actually, just doing, a, a, believe it or not, a, a virtual gardening seminar to, to uh, as part of the Google Wellness Weekend, so into the Google campus. So we've all, all the, the techies are getting into gardening now. And uh, so all that stuff is online. Yeah, and it, 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 uh, as you know, the two things that have exploded during the, the COVID-19 lockdown are obviously everything online and also gardening. So yeah, never yeah. busier. Never so they both are, are mixing in well. And uh, I know when you visited Peter O'Mahony, the Munster Rugby Player's house, an Irish rugby player, uh, there was a, a good take up on that. Uh, another Anne asking here, any more celebrity visits, Peter? Are you heading well, off? We'll wait and see if I if if I learn of any other celebrity who, celebrities, even though I hate the term, that are into into the their gardens. I'll certainly drop them a line and see if they if, if they'd welcome a visit. Uh, but yeah, no, that video went very, very well. A lot of people liked it and related. And of course, Peter Man is such a likable fella, and he's 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 so into the garden himself that that video did very well. But yeah, we're always on the lookout. And um, so yeah, watch this space. Watch the space, as you say. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. No better man, Peter. For the moment, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll chat to you next Wednesday. Uh, that is Peter Doddall, the Irish Gardener. Find more on him on theirishgardener.com or indeed search for the Irish Gardener on Facebook and indeed on Instagram. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.